Section One, Volume Two of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Two, Section One. Nur ad-Din Ali and the damsel Anis al-Jalis. Quoth Shahrazad, It hath reached me, O auspicious king of intelligence penetrating, that there was, amongst the kings of Basora, a king who loved the poor and needy, and cherished his lieges, and gave of his wealth to all who believed in Muhammad, whom Allah bless and assain and he was even as one of the poets described him, a king who, when hosts of the foe invade, receives them with lance-lunge and sabre-sway, writes his name on bosoms in thin red lines, and scatters the horsemen in wild dismay. His name was King Mohammed bin Sulaiman Azaini, and he had two wazirs, one called Al-Mu'in, son of Sawi and the other Al-Fazl, son of Khakan. Now Al-Fazl was the most generous of the people of his age, upright of life, so that all hearts united in loving him, and the wise flocked to him for counsel, whilst the subjects used to pray for his long life, because he was a compendium of the best qualities, encouraging the good and lief, and preventing evil and mischief. But the wazir Mu'in bin Sawi, on the contrary, hated folk, and loved not the good, and was a mere compound of ill, even as was said of him. Hold to nobles, sons of nobles, tis ever nature's test, that nobles born of nobles shall excel in noble deed, and shun the mean of soul, meanly bred, for tis the law. Mean deeds come of men who are mean of blood and breed. And as much as the people loved and fondly loved Al-Faz bin Khakan, so they hated and thoroughly hated the mean and miserly Mu'in bin Sawi. It befell one day by the decree of the decreer that King Mohammed bin Sulaiman Az-Zaini, being seated on his throne with his officers of state about him, summoned his wazir al-fazl and said to him i wish to have a slave-girl of passing beauty perfect in loveliness exquisite in symmetry and endowed with all praiseworthy gifts said the courtiers such a girl is not to be bought for less than ten thousand gold pieces whereupon the sultan called out to his treasurer and said carry ten thousand dinars to the house of al-fazl bin Khakan. The treasurer did the king's bidding, and the minister went away, after receiving the royal charge to repair to the slave bazaar every day, and entrust to brokers the matter aforesaid. Moreover, the king issued orders that girls worth above a thousand gold pieces should not be bought or sold without being first displayed to the wazir. Accordingly, no broker purchased a slave-girl ere she had been paraded before the minister, but none pleased him, till one day a dealer came to the house and found him taking horse and intending for the palace. So he caught hold of his stirrup, saying, 
O thou who givest to royal state sweet savour, That a wazir shall never fail of favour, Dead bounty thou hast raised to life for men, Ne'er fail of Allah's grace such high endeavour. Then quoth he, O my lord, that surpassing object for whom the gracious mandate was issued is at last found. And quoth the wazir, Here with her to me. So he went away, and returned after a little, bringing a damsel in richest raiment robed, a maid spear-straight of stature, and five feet tall, budding of bosom, with eyes large and black as by coal traced, and dewy lips sweeter than syrup or the sherbet one sips, a virginette smooth-cheeked and shapely-faced, whose slender waist with massive hips was engraced, a form more pleasing than branchlet waving upon the topmost trees, and a voice softer and gentler than the morning breeze, even as saith one of those who have described her. Strange is the charm which dights her brows, like Luna's disc that shine, O sweeter taste than sweetest rob, or raisins of the vine, a throne the Empyrean keeps for her in high and glorious state, for wit and wisdom, wand-like form, and graceful bending line. She in the heaven of her face the sevenfold stars displays, that guard her cheeks as satellites against the spy's design. If man should cast a furtive glance, or steal far look at her, his heart is burnt by devil-bolts, shot by those piercing eyne. When the wazir saw her, she made him marvel with excess of admiration, so he turned, perfectly pleased, to the broker, and asked, What is the price of this girl? Whereto he answered, Her market value stands at ten thousand dinars, but her owner swears that this sum will not cover the cost of the chickens she hath eaten, the wine she hath drunken, and the dresses of honour bestowed upon her instructor, for she hath learnt calligraphy and syntax and etymology, the commentaries of the Koran, the principles of law and religion, the canons of medicine, and the calendar and the art of playing on musical instruments. Said the wazir, Bring me her master. So the broker brought him at once, and behold, he was a Persian of whom there was left only what the days had left for he was as a vulture, bald and scald, and a wall trembling to its fall. Time had buffeted him with sore smart, yet was he not willing this world to depart, even as said the poet, Time hath shattered all my frame, oh, how time hath shattered me! Time with lordly might can tame, manly strength and vigour free, time was in my youth that none sped their way more fleet and fast. Time is, and my strength is gone. Youth is sped, and speed is past. The wazir asked him, Art thou content to sell this slave-girl to the sultan for ten thousand dinars? And the Persian answered, By Allah, if I offer her to the king for naught, it were but my devoir. So the minister bade bring the monies, and saw them weighed out to the Persian, who stood up before him, and said, by the leave of our lord the wazir, I have somewhat to say. And the wazir replied, Out with all thou hast. It is my opinion, continued the slave-dealer, that thou shouldst not carry the maid to the king this day, for she is newly off a journey. 
The change of air hath affected her, and the toils of trouble have fretted her. But keep her quiet in thy palace some ten days, that she may recover her looks, and become again as she was. Then send her to the hammam, and clothe her in the richest of clothes, and go up with her to the sultan. This will be more to thy profit. The wazir pondered the Persian's words, and approved of their wisdom. So he carried her to his palace, where he appointed her private rooms, and allowed her every day whatever she wanted of meat and drink, and so forth. And on this wise she abode a while. Now the wazir al-Fazl had a son like the full moon when Shinius dight, with face radiant in light, cheeks ruddy bright, and a mole like a dot of ambergris on a downy sight. As said of him the poet, and said full right, A moon which blights you, if you dare behold, a branch which folds you in its waving fold, locks of the zanj and golden glint of hair, sweet gait and form a spear to have and hold. Ah, hard of heart, with softest, slenderest waist, that evil to this wheel why not remould? Were thy form's softness placed in thy heart, ne'er would thy lover find thee harsh and cold. O oh, thou accuser, be my love's excuser, nor chide if love-pangs deal me woes untold. I bear no blame, tis all my hear and eyne, so leave thy blaming, let me yearn and pine. Now the handsome youth knew not the affair of the damsel, and his father had enjoined her closely, saying, Know, O my daughter, that I have bought thee as a bedfellow for our king, Mohammed bin Sulaiman Azaini, and I have a son who is a Satan for girls, and leaves no maid in the neighbourhood without taking her maidenhead. So be on thy guard against him, and beware of letting him see thy face or hear thy voice. Hearkening and obedience, said the girl, and he left her and fared forth. Some days after this it happened, by decree of destiny, that the damsel repaired to the baths in the house, where some of the slave-women bathed her, after which she arrayed herself in sumptuous raiment, and her beauty and loveliness were thereby redoubled. Then she went in to the wazir's wife, and kissed her hand, and the dame said to her, Naiman, may it benefit thee, O Anis al-Jalis! Are not our baths handsome?' "'O oh, my mistress,' she replied, "'I lack naught there, save thy gracious presence.' Thereupon the lady said to her slave-women, "'Come with us to the hammam, for it is some days since we went there.' They answered, "'To hear is to obey,' and rose, and all accompanied her. Now she had set two little slave-girls to keep the door of the private chamber, wherein was Anis al-Jalis, and had said to them, "'Suffer none to go into the damsel.' Presently, as the beautiful maiden sat resting in her rooms, suddenly came in the wazir's son, whose name was Nur ad-Din Ali, and asked after his mother and her women, to which the two little slave-girls replied, They are in the hammam. But the damsel, Anis al-Jalis, had heard from within Nur ad-Din Ali's voice, and had said to herself, Oh, would heaven I saw what like is this youth against whom the wazir warned me, saying that he hath not left a virgin in the neighbourhood without taking her virginity. By Allah, I do long to have sight of him. So she sprang to her feet with the freshness of the bath on her, and stepping to the door, looked at Nur ad-Din Ali, 
and saw a youth like the moon in its full, and the sight bequeathed her a thousand sighs. The young man also glanced at her, and the look made him heir to a thousand thoughts of care, and each fell into love's ready snare. Then he stepped up to the two little slave-girls, and cried aloud at them, whereupon both fled before him, and stood afar off to see what he would do. And behold, he walked to the door of the damsel's chamber, and, opening it, went in, and asked her, Art thou she my father bought for me? And she answered, Yes. Thereupon the youth, who was warm with wine, came up to her and embraced her. Then he took her legs, and passed them round his waist, and she wound her arms about his neck, and met him with kisses and murmurs of pleasure and amorous toyings. Next he sucked her tongue, and she sucked his, and lastly he loosed the strings of her petticoat trousers, and abated her maidenhead. When the two little slave-girls saw their young master get in unto the damsel, Anis al-Jalis, they cried out and shrieked. So as soon as the youth had had his wicked will of her, he rose and fled forth, fearing the consequences of his ill-doing. When the wazir's wife heard the slave-girl's cries, she sprang up and came out of the baths, with the perspiration pouring from her face, saying, What is this unseemly clamour in the house? Then she came up to the two little slave-girls, and asked them, saying, Fie upon you, what is the matter? And both answered, Verily our lord Nur ad-Din came in and beat us, so we fled. Then he went up to Anis al-Jalis, and threw his arms round her, and we know not what he did after that, but when we cried out to thee, he ran away. Upon this the lady went to Anis al-Jalis, and said to her, What tidings? O oh, my lady, she answered, as I was sitting here, lo, a handsome young man came in, and said to me, Art thou she my father bought for me? And I answered, Yes, for, by Allah, O mistress mine, I believed that his words were true, and he instantly came in and embraced me. Did he naught else with thee but this? quoth the lady, and quoth she, Indeed he did, but he did it only three times. He did not leave thee without dishonouring thee, cried the wazir's wife, and fell to weeping and buffeting her face. She and the girl and all the handmaidens, fearing lest Nur ad-Din's father should kill him. Whilst they were thus, in came the wazir, and asked what was the matter, and his wife said to him, Swear that whatso I tell thee thou wilt attend to it. I will, answered he. So she related to him what his son had done, whereat he was much concerned, and rent his raiment, and smote his face till his nose bled, and plucked out his beard by the handful. Do not kill thyself, said his wife. I will give thee ten thousand dinars, her price of my own money. But he raised his head and cried, Out upon thee! I have no need of her purchase money. My fear is lest life as well as money go. O oh, my lord, and how is that? Wottest thou not that yonder standeth our enemy, Al-Mu'in bin Sawi, who, as soon as he shall hear of this matter, will go up to the sultan? and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section one of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, volume two.